Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Join your host, Sam Newell, as he educates you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. Hear interviews with the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they've learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become Sam's goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. Michael Young, welcome to the Recession-Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast once again. Really excited for this topic. We sent out a text to some friends, clients, investors, and it was really, I mean, you sent it out. I had actually screenshotted and saved that exact thing from Grant Cardone that day. So it was funny that you sent it out because I was already going to send it to you and talk about it with you. But you know, really, it's it's very simple. Grant Cardone and everyone, every smart, sophisticated, experienced, savvy investor understands you don't buy toys or homes. You buy assets that then can cash flow and pay for those things. So we're going to do a little case study on Michael Young and also a friend of mine, two different scenarios and what we're doing moving forward. I'm currently renting my home. Michael, you're currently renting your place and people want to know why. So let's jump right into it. So in, in 2013, I purchased a home for $2.8 million. Beautiful, lovely, lovely home. Very proud of it. Loved it the whole time. I sold it in April of this year, thank God, for because uh, our market's starting to soften a little bit. It's, it sold for 4.53. <laughs> so on Yay, April, you I, killed it. I killed it. Woohoo. Right. On, on paper, I have a profit of a million seven three zero, which by the way, that's where the IRS looks at it, but we'll get we'll get to that in a second. So the question becomes, well, gosh, you know, why would you sell the house and rent a house, the same kind of a house, or a four million dollar house? Why, why would you just keep the house you're doing so well? So here's the way the numbers really break down. There's there's, there's fiction and then there's reality. There's perception and reality. So let's separate the two for a moment. It cost me, and I put down $2 million as a down payment on the house. Huge mistake in retrospect. I mean, the opportunity cost, if I had put that into multifamily, well, we'll get that in a moment. Let's, let's break down the actual numbers. So let's get out a piece of paper. So I, I purchased the house for $2.8 million in 2013, June of 2013. I sold the house in April of 2021, less than eight years, for $4.5 million, uh, $300,000. Okay, and that's at 16 Treetop Way. Don't take my word for it. You can look all the soon. 16 Treetop Way, Kentville, California, profit $1.73 million. It costs me every month about $12,000 to carry that house. Taxes, mortgage, insurance, upkeep. Typical gardeners, pool guys, you name it. So it costs me $144,000 annually to hold that house. But I live in California. Even if you don't live in California, really... To get that $144,000 out of the bank, I'd earn $288,000, 50%, right? Right. So $288,000 a month times eight years was $2.3 million. It, and I purchased the home for two point eight. So that's it cost me really over eight years $5.1 million to own that house. Wow. Plus a commission to, to sell it, $112,000, 2.5% commission to the buyer's agent. So I was into that house for $5,216,000. Sheesh. Minus what I paid for it, $4.53 million, which is the 
plus the two, three, four to hold it. So that shows me I really lost, ready everybody? $686,000. Why? Because I had no income coming in. Right. Now, by the way, that's not including the capital gains that I could be charged by the IRS because I have a gain there. But because I have a lot of multifamily, I may not have to pay all that because I have losses carried forward. I'll probably use against that. But that's not really the issue. The issue is I had an opportunity cost, Miss, of $2 million. What if I had taken that $2 million and I bought a few hundred units, right? That $2 yeah. million after eight years would now be worth at least $4 million. So I would have doubled my equity. Hold on. I'll tell you. I'm doing the math right now. Go ahead. Let's see. Okay. So we average 15% year-over-year returns, not including tax write-offs. Right. Okay? Yep. So... And honestly, there have been years in the last eight years where it's been way more than 15%. Sure. Way more. Right. So, but let's just say 15% because that's an average through good and bad economies. Your 2 million would be worth 5,320,000 on one of our conservative deals, not saying that you absolutely killed it. And that's right. not including tax write-offs. And I'd probably have that 2 million back in my pocket tax-free. Yep. To then buy another piece of property. So now I probably would have at that, least, go ahead. That's not even including the cash out refi. So let's say we, we cash out refi year three. I'm going to say 75% of your money. So that's 1.5. Let's just say 1.5. We get back out and cash out refi. Hold on. I'll tell you, this is going to be really fun. Equals of that number times. There's another $3 million you lost. Right. Just by not being able to cash out your money, right. keep your investment in this other deal, cash out your money, and then reinvest. Right. So there's right. another three million bucks. Right. So let's let's say now it's fast forward to where I am now. Now I've I've rented a, a gorgeous thirty five hundred square foot house, three two hundred and eighty degree views of the water, one one flat acre in an area called Tiburon, California. Beautiful, magnificent place to live. And that costs me about ten thousand dollars a month to live there. Well, guess what? These buildings and my, my current buildings would have paid for that. Yeah. And do pay for it now. So now the money that I took from this from the sale of the house that I put in my pocket is going into our Cleveland team. Beautiful. Thank you. The next eight years are going to be better than the last, is what you're saying. Well, exactly. But the bigger picture to look at is unless you have a net worth, and, and there's going to be a lot of blowback, and that's fine. I'm willing to take it. Unless you have a net worth of at least $20 million. What in God's name are you owning a house for? Because after, yep. after depending on what state you're not, if you live in Oklahoma City, maybe $10 million. If you live in California, New York, places of that nature, you've got to have at least $20 million before it makes any sense to do something stupid with your money like own a house. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm doing some quick math here. I, I mean, well, let me sum this up. So you paid $2.8 million. You send what was your end up all out of cost? It was just over five million. Five two. Five two out of pocket cost. So we didn't even take this a step further. What if instead of putting all that expense into the house, right. you'd invested that money as well? We're right. we're not even going to do that math. Right. So essentially, the five million could have turned into well over eight million dollars. Correct. Not including tax write-offs, which you desperately need in California, and with how much money you make and all the cash flow that your other assets are producing, you could have really used those tax write-offs as well. So, 
really we're looking at about $9 million difference between right. what you could have made. You would have still spent money on, on a rental. So, you know, we should use, throw that in the math. Maybe we'll do a nice little graphic for people, sure. but still we're talking about eight, $9 take, million. Dollars. Take a million dollars off just for a rental. Does, does it, it's, it's, okay. it's negligible. So 8 million bucks. Yeah. That would have been really nice. And then now you throw it into the deals we're doing now and compound that 8 million bucks. When we look at a 10, 15, 20 year snapshot of what that money would have been worth, it's absolutely insane. It's huge. And so what I wanted to do is now talk about a little bit smaller numbers. My best buddy just bought a McLaren for $200,000 cash. Beautiful car. Mustard, yellow, shiny, $200,000 McLaren. It's fast as hell. The supercar. Yeah. You know, you know, if, yeah. if he doesn't get laid in it, I will. I don't know. <laughs> I'll um, I, I might be borrowing it from him. It, we'll just say that. Out, by the way, what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, sexy car, beautiful. So I'm just yeah. looking at the time value of money here. Yeah. If he put that 200000 into our Cleveland deal today or yeah. this month when we close on it, in, in eight years, oops, I got to finish my math here. That'd be worth about $532,000. Right. So if he delays gratification and waits, even if he just waited till we cashed out, he could put a hundred thousand dollars down on that asset or or on that uh, that asset, that toy, that car. Yeah. But really, if we keep looking at the math, and if he waits, let me do a little bit more math here. So that two hundred thousand purchased on the car today, if he puts his money in one of our deals and then cashes out 50% of his money in three years with us, invests in another deal, that's a total loss of $700,000 right. in eight years. That's just eight years how much right. money he could have made right. on average returns, not including tax write-offs. Right. So let's take another example. I stupidly leased a Range Rover in December. <laughs> You know, I, 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 I lease a 911. I, every two years, I get a new 911. I lease it. I, I just feel dumb about it. But but yeah. hey, you know, I I drive investors around, people with with a lot of money, right. and I want to look professional, act professional. You know, That's a business it, expense. It, it is a business expense, and my business yeah. leased it for me. But right, I put zero down, and they were very surprised. They said, "Are you sure you, you don't want to put ten thousand down?" Right, and I said, "I will never put any money into a vehicle ever, and I never have." Right. Because, you know, let's say I put $10,000 down on a lease. Let's say I put $50,000 down on a lease. Well, that's saving me money at 3%, 4%, right. whatever the, the, the interest rate is. Right. But I'm losing money at 15% because that's what I could have made. Right. So my beautiful brand new Range Rover depreciated by 20% as soon as I drove it off the lot. Right. Normal. So that, Very normal. That money I would have put into it was immediately gone, right? Disappeared, never to return again. No way I'll make that back, right? So I'm glad I put zero down. And guess what? I put that money into our Cleveland deal, which has been averaging cash flow at 8%. And year over year, we'll average 15% plus return back to my bank account, right? Plus, I got a fantastic tax deduction through a K1 uh, that we both just received from that Cleveland deal. So Right. We're we're talking about the same things. You can do it with ten thousand dollars, or you can do it with two million dollars. The time value of money is the same. Why would you ever, ever 
put money into a lease or a car purchase or a home purchase if you can rent something nicer and invest and have that investment pay for your rental. In many cases, you can rent a nicer place than you can afford to buy because Here's down the one payments are expensive. Here's the one exception. Again, if you have massive amounts of wealth and, and assets, right. you have earned the right to buy a three, $5 million. I'll, I'll give you an example. Our, our good friend, Neil Weichel, bought a, a beautiful uh, home in Santa Barbara, on the beach. Mm-hmm. Neil has been investing and saving his money and doing extremely well for the last 30 years. Neil has earned the right to have a beautiful home in Santa Barbara that he uses maybe a few times a month uh, because he has the, the assets and the cash flow to back it up. But Bob, who makes a million dollars a year, who basically has no assets except his, his home and his car that he owns, you know, free and clear, one man's opinion does not have the right to go out and buy a second home or a supercar because he doesn't have an asset base to back it up. And until you have the asset base to back up these toys, which everybody is entitled to, God mm-hmm. bless America, you're really making a mistake. And don't take my word for it. The numbers don't lie. Right. The numbers are the numbers. There's no emotion in it. There's no, you know, but what there are no but what what ifs. It is what it is. But you've got to be able to look, you know, coldly and squarely in the eye of reality of what the numbers are. That's it. And and I love our the the backlash we got on crypto, by the way, and then it crashed. We said wow. don't we don't gamble with our money. We we buy cash flowing conservative okay. real estate investments where you get scale. It's and very crypto, simple. Why, crypto will probably go up again with the, with how much a dollar could go up again. But that's really not the point. The point is, is that if you're buying cash flow assets, look, you'll notice Warren Buffett is not in crypto. Yep. Warren Buffett does the same thing that we do. He buys cash flow businesses. Why? He gets scale. He gets cash flow. He gets massive depreciation. What else? He gets... Um, uh, you know, future appreciation. Well, and, and also the, the cash flow during a recession is very important. Yes. You know, people want to get rich, but they don't understand that what really matters is when things are tight and the world's falling apart, what happens to your investments? Well, our cash flowing assets will still cash flow through any economy. That's our motto is recession proof. Yes. And crypto is not recession proof. It's not even a, a uh, FBI raid on the on the news proof. I mean, one FBI raid uh, involving Bitcoin and, and it dropped by half. So let's the name of the game for us homes. is recession proof. But let's look at single family homes. I mean, unless you're Blackstone, unless you're going to buy 100,000 homes, it doesn't make sense to buy 5, 10, 20 homes because again, you don't have scale. You don't have depreciation. You're not going to get cash flow. Yes, you'll get a nice return, sure. But when you look at, at the lack of depreciation and the upkeep that it's going to cost, the lack of scale, the inefficiency, that's the problem. But you know actually more about that than, than most people do because of what you've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's just it's just interesting. You know, people that sank in 2008, they didn't have scale. They were chasing single family rentals all over the place and doing maintenance and they didn't understand that even at very low leverage, they would not be able to withstand the move outs and the maintenance. And and then that's when it clicked for them. Oh, this is why people buy 200 unit apartment buildings because the scale is all right there. 
and the ability to, to maintain the asset through F times. So also you buy a McLaren or a house and the market crashes, you are tied to those, those liabilities. Absolutely tied. Unless McLarens appreciate, which, you know, maybe you can argue some supercars may, if it's a collector's item, appreciate. Unless your house is is different than all the other houses in California, it's not going to do well during the next downturn. Your money is tied up in there. You have no freedom or ability. <laughs> you have no cash is king. You have no power to do anything. You want the tied best to the market. You want the best example? I bought it in 2013. There have been no crashes since then. The market has gone like this since yep. 2013. It's exploded and still massive loss. Yep. When you look at the real numbers. Yep. Most people <laughs> won't. Well, look, we've got uh we're running out of time, but Michael, this has been awesome. Moral of the story is buy assets that cash flow that are conservative and pay for your toys later. If you buy enough assets, just like Michael said, you deserve the house on the beach. You deserve the McLaren. Once you have a certain net worth, you've earned it. You've paid the dues and you have the the balance sheet to back it up. And so we're going to be a little out, a little bit out there and say, most of us don't deserve those items. Or if we do, or if we do buy them, we're leasing them and we're investing our money. That's the only way to, to do it. And I would agree with you 100%. We'll probably have a few haters, but um, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Our, our balance sheets speak for themselves. Hate us all you want. Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Same.